0: Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend.
1: People make mistakes. Yes. Judges are people, so therefore, judges make mistakes, right?
0: They do. Not that often, but, but they do.
1: And so what's frustrating for a lot of our clients um, is that you and I have clients that hire us to go to court because they have been unable to resolve their affairs privately. So then they think that these judges are like the Wizard of Oz, that as soon as you go before them, they are all-knowing. They're omniscient. They're omnipotent. They have full knowledge of everything that is in the client's life and so as a result when they make a decision their decision is going to be the right decision it's going to be complete it's going to be fair it's going to be equitable well it's not the reality and as a result sometimes clients who have strong cases lose and sometimes clients that have very weak cases win because sometimes judges make mistakes and um, I'll let you tell the viewers, you know, what happens when judges make mistakes? What are their options? And what are their options economically and practically?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, as I s- said a couple of minutes ago, fortunately, mm-hmm. judges don't make mistakes often, but they do, like all of us, they do make mistakes. And so, um, you know, and, and there's always the question around what is a mistake because, you know, we often I'm sure you've had it. I know I've had it where you have a client um, who's not happy about a decision or you get consult. What I find is someone will consult you. They have another lawyer. They're not happy with what the decision was and they want to know if they can appeal it. And appealing is, of course, um, you know, the remedy for if, if you if a judge has made a mistake, you um, a party has an option of appealing a case, and there's a lot of steps that have to be taken, and there's very short time frames. So, if you know any of our listeners out there are ever in this type of situation, it's important that you act quickly because um, you can only file, you know, a notice of appeal within a certain time frame, and you have to figure out what court it goes to. And um, it's definitely an area where you should get some legal advice um, because it is more complicated. Um, And it is difficult to successfully appeal in a case. And, you know, one of the issues that you just touched upon, Steve, you you mentioned the word economically. And, you know, most people, by the time they've gotten to a point where they might have a decision that they want to appeal, they've already probably spent quite a bit of money on legal fees. Um, And if they lost, they probably, you know, got costs ordered against them. So not only do they have their own legal fees, they may now have been ordered to pay the other side's, you know, portion of their legal fees. So then when you look at the issue of appealing, um, of course, you're going to have more legal costs and you're going to have them up front because um, if, if a lawyer is going to represent you, they're going to need to, to be paid uh, a retainer in order to do that. And again, if you lose on the appeal, you know, then you have your costs again and the other party's costs that, you know, you're going to have to add to it as well. So it can be a, a time consuming, expensive process if you are not successful.
1: So on the subject of appealing, let's just break it down. There are mistakes that are made that don't rise to the level of actually appealing it. So I'll give you a small example. Uh, someone might argue in front of a judge uh, the subject of child support, and the two sides will argue over whether the income that the support should be based on is either $80,000 or 100000 and for whatever the reason is, the judge decides that the, that the judge thought it wasn't 80 versus 100. The judge thought it was 85 versus 100. So the judge orders child support on 85. Now, the person who was arguing the income was 80, they're thinking I was supposed to win because the judge sided with me, not with the $100,000 characterization of my income, but on the 80,000, but for whatever the reason was, the judge thought that 80 uh, was 85 and ordered child support on 85. The difference might actually amount to maybe $75 a month. And so some would say well, if it was a straight misapprehension of the document, there's a remedy to go back to the judge and say, hey, judge, just so that you know, it seems like you meant to choose 80, but you wrote 85, can you correct it? In some cases, if it's that clear that it was a typographical or a misread right off of a document, it's possible that that same judge will revise the order. It happens rarely. And for those that want to read up on it, it's found in rule 2519 of the family law rules where the judge that makes the order before the order is issued can, re- can, can fix the mistake if it's truly a mistake. Then there's decisions that are made where the judge says, I'm going to um, allow the child to have contact with the other parent and I'm going to allow um, the supervision to be by the neighbor. And turns out that the judge was told that the neighbor is unavailable uh, and the judge yet put in the order that it's to be done by the neighbor. The judge is not going to revisit the entire hearing over this and it leaves the person in a lurch. Do they spend $30,000, $40,000 on an appeal or do they just go back to the other side and try to revise it? And in many cases, people just try to resolve it privately without having to go back to appeal court. But then there's the real appeal where a judge has either made a error in the law or a manifest error in the facts. The language in the court of appeal is a misapprehension of the material facts. Not of extraneous facts, but the facts that are really at the core of this. So, If you can establish that the judge has either misapprehended the material facts or committed an error in law, you meet the threshold to be able to now go to the court of appeal. Now, let me break that down. What if it's a temporary order? It's very different than in a final order. On a temporary order, if a judge makes a mistake on a temporary order, you need this thing called leave of the court to be able to appeal. You need pre permission to appeal. So that's a different hearing. And you've got to do exactly what Leanne said. You've got to move really fast. Within seven days, you've got to bring a motion requesting leave to appeal. And if you don't, the window is closed. Now, for those that bring that motion for leave to appeal and they get granted leave to appeal, now they're in the same position as people that had a final order, because then you have the right of appeal on a final order. So, and what does it mean when you appeal? It's not easy. You got to get the transcripts of the hearing. You got to prepare a tremendous amount of material. Also all of the material from the first hearing, plus way more. And then you got to prepare this document called a factum. A factum is all of your legal arguments as to why the judge misapprehended the facts or made an error in law. And then you got to provide the details of the misapprehension in the error of law. And then you've got to provide the law that supports The contention that this is a reversible error under appeal. It's a ton of work. Uh, Appeals cost anywhere from $25,000 to $200,000 per appeal. The bigger the case, obviously the bigger the bill because there's more transcripts. I had a case last year where we won. It was a 14-day trial. The other side is appealing it. That's 14 days of transcripts. And the appeal lawyers now have to read 14 days of transcripts. They've got to read about 500 exhibits and they've got to filter through it all to figure out if in fact, they can prove an error by the trial judge. And it will be very, very expensive. And that's why most people don't appeal. In fact, the vast majority of decisions made by the judges do not get appealed even where there have been errors because of the economics involved in it
0: yes, it can be a very expensive process and you know often um when people want to appeal things it's because you know they didn't get um they don't like the decision and and that may not you know be because there's an error um it may be just they don't you know, like the, the decision that was was made. Um, there are some cases, though, um, you know, where we hear the concept of fresh evidence and, you know, something um, comes, a party becomes aware of something that they had no way of knowing um, at the time their matter was being heard. And perhaps it might change things or something they became aware of you know, after a decision. And, you know, in those types of situations, um, sometimes um, you can successfully appeal based on this fresh evidence.
1: In fact, that's a very good point, because we, Leanne and I, are family law lawyers. This is very different than corporate or criminal. You see, in criminal law, there was an act, an event, an assault, a murder, a theft. It's that event. And there's very rarely the case where there's new evidence because all the evidence was about that event that was in the past. Same with the personal injury case, same with the wrongful dismissal case. But in family law, where the heir pertains to parenting of a child or the income of a person, well, the parenting issue um, is an ongoing issue. And so the Court of Appeal might be interested in knowing, well, how is the child doing right now? And that's where a parent or both of the appellant and the respondent to the appeal may very well bring a motion asking for the fresh evidence to be introduced. And so family law is a, 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 rare, a rare area of law where fresh evidence is a very common event. Another thing I want to mention is that there's this thing with appeals called a stay. What is a stay? A stay is a freezing order, a stay occurs where Somebody gets a trial judgment. The decision, according to one side, is erroneous. So they appeal. The act of serving a document called a notice of appeal generally freezes the order, stays the order generally. However, um, it does not freeze or stay parenting orders, custody and access orders. It does not automatically stay support orders, child support or support. And in those situations, a person would have to, the appellant would have to, bring a separate motion in the body of the appeal asking for a stay, asking that the order that they claim is erroneous be frozen. And the onus is very high. First of all, the onus is high to appeal. The onus to stay in order under an appeal is very high. Example: the judge says, uh, where the debate was, shall the child and father move to Switzerland? And a trial decision is made and it says, yes, child could move to Switzerland. And the mother says, well, that was an error. Mother brings a motion The motion, excuse me, mother brings an appeal. The appeal doesn't automatically mean that the child cannot move to Switzerland. Mother now has to bring a motion for a stay preventing the child from moving to Switzerland. And in a case like that, if the mother can prove on a motion for a stay that there might really be some errors there, the court of appeal might grant the state recognizing that if the child already moves to Switzerland The cat's out of the bag. It's very difficult to to correct an error. So the Court of Appeal might issue the stay to keep everybody here until the appeal is heard in its totality. Um, I have a case right now. I had a trial last year where we won and uh, we won significant child and spousal support. And once it was all calculated what the other side owed my client, the amount of support arrears adds up to over $2 million. Wow! As a result of that, um, I immediately insisted that my client go to the family responsibility office and get a statement of arrears from the FRO indicating what the amount of arrears are. Why did I do this? Why was this so important? Because appeal courts, think about it, appeal courts will listen to an appeal where the person that is appealing comes to court with clean hands, comes to court showing that they obey court orders. Well, if an order was made for support and the support that's owed is $2 million, and that person has chosen not to pay it in the face of the order that has not been frozen under a stay, we can bring a motion to say, We want that appeal either dismissed summarily or alternatively delayed until they comply with the support order. And so that's a situation where we use the rules in order to assert the client's claim. Because at the end of the day, the client doesn't want to argue an appeal. We got the judgment we wanted. We're satisfied with the judgment. We believe the judgment is robust, complete and equitable. The other side is looking to attack it, which is their right, but it's also our right to, ins- to ensure that they comply with the order if they're trying to ask the court to give them a different order. So it's very interesting how there is this intersection between court level decisions, like judges by- who make decisions by motions or trials versus the court of appeal two very different categories. And I've been before the Court of Appeal many times and they remind lawyers all the time, we are an error correcting court. That's another way of the Court of Appeal saying, don't argue the facts in front of me. That's for the lower court to hear. We're only here to find out if the lower court made an error. Did they misapprehend the evidence that was in front of them? Or did they apply the wrong law that was the existing law in Canada or Ontario at the time? Because most people try to go before the Court of Appeal as a second kick at the can, and they don't stand for that.
0: No. And, you know, one thing that the, the Court of Appeal is very aware of, and this is something listeners should be aware of if they are considering ever appealing something, is that Oh, things, issues to do, particularly with issues surrounding children and what's in the children's best interest. Often, um, the, the assessing credibility of witnesses firsthand um, can be very important to making determinations on that issue. And the trial judge is the one who is there with the witnesses in person or on Zoom, if that's how the trial is being done, um, and seeing the cross examine seeing how the witness handles it and making assessments of the credibility of the parties. And so the Court of Appeal is very deferential to trial judges on those types of issues because reading a transcript of the evidence is very different than being able to see and hear and watch the body language and all of that of the person who's giving the evidence. So um, there is a lot of deference given to trial judges on issues for
1: that reason. Um, I would like for the viewers to, as I always try for the viewers, to have some takeaways from our IG Live today. Well, let's go backwards. Don't put your family's life in the hands of stranger judges. If you can resolve your affairs with your ex outside of court, you will never have the problem of having a judge making an error or you having to consider an appeal. That's number one. Number two, if you have no choice other than to go to court, make sure you hire a lawyer who knows how to put together all of your court material so that there is nothing left untouched, no rock that was not turned over, no evidence that was missed. Make sure you use all of your resources, you use quality counsel, you use complete evidence, Um, you make sure the evidentiary record is robust, and you make sure that this information in front of the judge, and I'll tell you at minimum why. At minimum, to win the case. At maximum, because if the judge missed it, you could say it was right there. It was right there in the evidence, and the judge totally missed it. I'll give you an example of a case that I had last week where the judge made a mistake and we're not appealing it. Very simple issue. I had a client that wanted to go on a vacation. And under the terms of the separation agreement, the other spouse had to give a travel consent form. Well, he was being a jerk. He said, I don't know if I'm gonna give the travel consent form. So we had to threaten to bring a motion. When we threatened to bring a motion, he says, I will give you the travel consent form. Okay, great. That was two weeks before the trip. One week before the trip, we said, you said you were gonna give us the travel consent form. Can we please have it? He goes, I'm working on it. Oh, okay. Well, five days before the trip, we brought an emergency motion asking for the court to dispense with that person's consent to travel. Well, so we serve and file the motion materials for the emergency motion. He files the same day responding material to the emergency motion, and in it included the travel consent form, signed. The judge read it all and said, my client was wrong for asking for an emergency motion because he already granted or gave the travel consent form. And the judge ordered costs against my client for $1,000. I immediately wrote back to the lawyer for the other side, I said, it was obvious that he did not give the travel consent form until we brought the emergency motion. But the judge somehow believed that we already got the travel consent form before we brought the emergency motion. At the end of the day, $1,000 in costs. My client got the travel consent form. My client wasn't going to spend 5000 or $10,000 to appeal the decision. We just let it go. And that's an example of a judge making a mistake. The judge didn't get that we brought our emergency motion because he didn't give the travel consent form. The judge thought he already did bring, give the travel consent form. And then we brought the emergency motion, which would make no sense. No. Right? Judges make mistakes.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's today's topic. Thanks for joining us everyone here on Divorce Explained. And we will see you here again next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.